This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in to Inside Carolina Live postgame. Whew, Carolina 89-84 over, over Ohio State in the CBS Sports Classic up at Madison Square Garden. I've got Dewey Burke here with me. Dewey, I'm going to let you run with this, but I'm going to say I, don't, I can't remember a game that a North Carolina basketball team had to have as much as this one, and it just got more so the way the game continued to play out. What an effort by the Tar Heels. Come from behind, get it done in overtime, 89-84, your overall thoughts. Yeah, as you said, had to have it. And it's funny you say that, and we did not rehearse this, but I said exactly that uh, to my friends on our text after we won. I said, had to have it. And we did. And some gutty performances by our guys in the second half. First half was, I mean, let's just be honest, was incredibly disappointing. And and it sounds like Hubert really challenged the guys at halftime and just outright called them soft. And that's how they played. Uh, in the first half. So we can, you know, we can talk about why that's so puzzling with a team that has so much experience, but the bottom line is they came back and they fought. They made timely shots. I thought RJ and Caleb were big time down the stretch. Obviously Armando is the one who kept us in the game. Uh, and then I thought the shot by Pete and the, the, the play call and the pass, uh, the pass should not be overlooked. Uh, was such an unbelievable play. And, and obviously also, making the decision to go from full court, throw it to half court, call another timeout. Um, the execution there was really solid. So um, I'm proud of the guys. I really am. And, and I'm really hopeful that this gives them confidence because they need it. And uh, to lose another one uh, game like this, a la Alabama, would have been really, really tough for this team. So absolutely had to have it. it seemed like the crowd was great. And kids made plays down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, the Madison Square Garden crowd, I know a few people that were up there. It was predominantly – I know there's four teams up there, but if there's even remotely close to as many fans for other schools as there were North Carolina fans, uh, that would be impressive because it was definitely – felt like watching on TV. It was a home court or home court advantage for North Carolina. Let's sort of work backwards. Let's talk about the play at the end of the regulation. Uh, I didn't really understand – and I want your take on this because you're a much better basketball mind. They got back in the game pressing and being aggressive on defense. And once they got it tied, then they sort of backed back into what they had been doing and allowed, I believe, Sensabaugh to hit the shot. And that dude's a stud. I love that kind of game. Yeah. I mean, for for those, I don't, you know, I don't follow the recruiting and, you know, I don't know how highly ranked the kid was, but Wes on our text, obviously he just won a game, but on our text, Wes said, that kid killed us. He's one and done. I didn't even never even heard of the kid, and he's really good, really good. And he was just able to basically work Leaky Black whenever he needed to. So he makes the shot. Carolina has two seconds left. Um, you know, you hold some time out, so you're able to get the ball. Talk about that play, what you saw there, because I think I'll be honest. When I saw it going cross court, it was what in the heck. But when Pete let it go, it was like, that's in. Just it looked good, yeah. It, it looked good right off the hand. And so, you know, it, it's a gutsy call by Hubert. 
to throw the ball to somebody that had not made an outside shot all night. Um, and no doubt they've practiced it. Yeah, you practice those situations often. But you sure thought the ball was going to Caleb or to RJ for, for a look. You know, I guess maybe they could have tried to throw it into Mondo, but I don't know that he would have had time to turn and make any kind of a, a quality shot. Uh, and so they ran some misdirection with Caleb, and that's really where I thought the ball was going to go. And uh, as I said before, the pass by Leakey uh, needs to be talked about because that is a very awkward pass that you don't make very often. Now, like I said, I'm sure they've practiced it. Uh, and then the other thing I'll say is we've seen Pete be able to catch the ball and make a kind of turnaround fading shot several times this season. He's actually made a bunch of them over his other shoulder, over his right shoulder. Um, but this one was, was over his left shoulder, which is actually a harder shot. Um, but credit the kid for making the catch, being patient enough to not rush the shot. And uh, as you said, as soon as it left his hand, it looked good. So, and again, let's not, let's not discount the fact that they executed perfectly to get the ball from the baseline up to half court to RJ to then run the set uh, that ultimately tied the game. So um, yeah, it, coaches look good when you execute and they executed. I was going to say, we've certainly banged on them a lot um, in the early season about the lack of execution and the lack of a lot of things, but they did it perfectly there. We're able to tie the game at the end of regulation. And I thought Ohio State was shell-shocked. Uh, I mean, credit them for not going away completely in overtime, but once that shot went in, you could see their bench. I mean, there was a lot of no ways and all that kind of stuff. Uh, just, a, you know, a fantastic play all around. And and I've said it. I've questioned Hubert's um, – you know, some of the sets they've run and, and there were times today and we can talk about it briefly where you know, Baycott's working underneath and they're they managed to not even get it inside once on a possession and, and get a jacked up three pointer. But that when it mattered, when it had to happen, when the absolutely winner win or lose had to happen, they got it done. So credit Hubert and his staff for that play, credit the players for executing it. Let's talk a little about a bit about Armando Baycott. Um you know, he's still got to make some of the bunnies he misses. He was 11 for 19, probably easily could have been 15 for 19 or even 16 for 19. But when he figured it out and got his legs underneath him, he was really good, Dewey. 28 and 15. He was telling me, and I thought, because you know, obviously we started the game halfway decently and we're up four or five, and then they made a big run and went up double digits. And it started to feel like some other moments during the season where we just – we're out of sync offensively. Everything was hard, no easy baskets, no catch and shoot looks. And I just flat out thought Armando just started to play harder than anybody else on the court. Right. It wasn't necessarily pretty, but it's like he figured out that I just gotta I gotta play harder than everybody else and see if my teammates will come with me. There was a clear change, I thought, in his effort level from I'm not gonna get it exactly right, but maybe the the six minute mark of the first half through the rest of the game uh and he just played harder simple as that um he did miss some easy ones but his effort was what got us back in the game ultimately and uh we made the good run the good push to start the half and then they executed you know i was i was when it got back to nine i'm thinking to myself god we just we cannot execute well enough in the half court and they are and i don't i don't know how we get back in the game but then we, as you said we started to Sorry, getting the FaceTime from Mr. Hensbro. Um, Get him on the show. We, we started to uh, 
we started to press and change the tempo a little bit, and that disrupted Ohio State's rhythm and allowed us to ultimately get back in the game down the stretch where it was one possession. So, um, But it was Mondo's effort, and that was the key. And it, it, it could have been a 20-point deficit at halftime had he not got a couple buckets and got it going at the end of the first half, and then it carried over into the second, and we were, we were then in the game. Yep. Somebody said something about, you know, soft and inconsistent. I, my, my phrasing of it, if Carolina had not managed to pull this one out, would have been frustrating because they can, they do it in stretches. And to your point earlier, it's like four or five minute stretches. They get it rolling. And then there's two or three minutes where they just look like they haven't played together before. And so that's the interesting dynamic. I'll let you get out of here. I know you're busy. Caleb Love, 8 for 20. Um, I'd take that. I'd take 8 for 20 most nights, 22.7 assists, career high in assists. And then R.J. Davis with some big shots. Just sort of speak to the the guard play. I mean, 22 and 21, you like to see that from those two. But I thought R.J. especially stepped up really. Caleb hits his shots. He gets his shots and he does his thing. But then there are times where you wonder what he's thinking. But R.J. um, sort of. Sec, late second half he, he wasn't gonna lose at home no he was terrific and you feel good for him to have such a good game in new york uh the set that they run i think huber calls it 25 pop i only said because i was reading his lips where rj enters it at the high elbow to caleb and then he throws it right back to him when he got that really nice finish at the rim i think that cut it to cut it to two uh late there in the game and then obviously the step back three in front of our bench uh made big shots made big free throws uh, Caleb coming out in overtime, making a couple two-pointers. I got to go back to what you said, though. It, it still it remains frustrating because when you have that maddening inconsistency, you, you could say that you'd expect that from a younger group of players that hadn't played together as much as this group has. But, I mean, let's just be honest. There just isn't an excuse for these lapses we have in, in our mentality for the game. RJ and Caleb have started, it's got to be close to 100 games now. And they have these periods where they're so casual and careless with the basketball, it makes my head explode. Um, and, and Caleb has those really, really challenging contested shots. You heard Raftery on the, on the telecast, just unnecessary shots. And then he has two possessions in a row where he's completely under control gets to the rim and finishes, makes a play like in the first half where he penetrated and dissed it to Armando for the big dunk. Uh, RJ makes all his free throws. So they're juniors. We shouldn't be talking about this. Let's be honest. We should not be talking about this. Uh, So they need to figure out where they can find 40-minute consistency because those two, as a backcourt, consistently playing where they take care of the ball and take quality shots, we're as good as any backcourt in the league. Or in the in the whole country, I should say, uh, man, those minutes of frustrating inconsistency. I just, I still don't understand them. And, and imagine what it must feel like for the staff, because you've seen these kids play at a high level. You saw them do it in overtime, and then you're going to watch the first half tape, and and you're going to wonder, well, who are these guys? <laughs> is that the same kid? So <laughs> that's the challenge for the staff. Is whatever he said at halftime worked, and and maybe he needs to be hard on them. I don't know, but um, sounds like he challenged them, and it worked. Yeah, I can't figure out which is the out-of-body experience. It is the lackadaisical uh, turning it over, just seemingly giving it to the other team, the out-of-body part, or is it the 
going nuts and hitting shots from all over the court and making great plays is that out of body part. I, I don't know. It, it's got to be maddening. If it's maddening watching, it's got to be maddening. That's my point. Coaching. Imagine coaching those guys and trying and trying to figure out what do I have to message to get them to be mentally in it for forty minutes. Yeah. The casual turnovers. I mean, we Caleb did it against the Citadel like four times, and I couldn't believe it. Yeah. But and he's a junior. Uh, and then he, you know, makes plays down the stretch like he did tonight. And you're like, man, he could be a first round pick. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And and that's a, uh, yeah, I don't understand it. Um, I don't think we ever will get an answer uh, the rest of this season. But Carolina manages to get 89, 84. And of course, I forgot to mention Johnny T-shirt, our sponsor. Everybody knows I like to talk about Johnny T-shirt. Do we just, I'll let you get out of here. Um, no need to run very long. Everybody watch the game. Shout out to the 150 plus people in here for the live chat, North Carolina gets a win against Ohio State. Anything else? What else can we talk about? Um, a couple more points here in this game. I mean, Pete Nance, four for 11. Couldn't throw it in the ocean from three. Hits a great shot. Leaky Black struggled defending for probably the first time in his career against Sensabaugh. Um, makes a great pass to, to make and a play. And a big three. And, and big. yeah, and, and let's talk about that. When he doesn't think, he here's one of the guys. When he catches and shoots, he looks solid. How do you get him as Hubert Davis and the staff to just play that way? And he's a fifth-year guy. I know. Well, that means it's not happening, right? <laughs> <laughs> it would have happened already. But he's, he does so many other things well for us. And uh, it looked like he was guarding a pro tonight. Sensible, that kid's really good. And so he he met his match. But uh, he, he tried to make it as tough as he could on him. The shot at the end of regulation was tough. The shot in overtime to, from five to three was tough. And kid's good. The dunk, baseline. Oof. I mean, he's, he's he's a real player. But look, my, my takeaway, my ultimate conclusion here is this ought to give him confidence. It was national stage, playing at the Garden, nothing like that. I'll never forget when we played at the Garden my senior year. It's something you talk about and remember. And I was having a conversation on Friday with somebody that I met, and they were asking about my Carolina experiences. And one of the things I said was I got to play at the Garden. Uh, it's a really, really special thing. And so they got to go in there and get a win and I'm hopeful it gives them confidence rolling into Michigan and just uh, maybe changes the trajectory a little bit because, man, was you not felt good at all having to beat Michigan to not be seven and six at home for Christmas. That would have felt real salty. So hopefully it gives them some good confidence. Indeed. Carolina 89-84, Michigan coming up on Wednesday and then a Christmas break. We'll talk after Michigan, Dewey, but I wanted to – Say many thanks for you taking the time to do these podcasts. I know our folks love them. The Inside Carolina people love them. I love talking to you about basketball because I learn every day. So appreciate it, Dewey. No, tell me. I love it too. You know that. I appreciate it. Love being on with you. So thanks for having me. Yep. That's been Inside Carolina's postgame podcast. Carolina gets a win. I don't know how many uh, remotes or TVs are left in the North Carolina fandom, but it goes down in the win column. Hell of a ball game from Hubert Davis and his team to go to eight and four. That's Dewey Burke. I've been Tommy Ashley. Johnny T-Shirt's our sponsor. Thanks for joining us. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 